In 2020, the American people put their trust in Democrats. And over these last 18 months, Democrats have delivered. Let me rephrase that. Over these last 18 months, Democrats have delivered big time. <laughs> Government figures show groceries climbing more than 13% on average, electricity spiking nearly 16%, and rent up nearly 7% over the last year. Those high prices, plus the likelihood the Federal Reserve will raise interest rates again, sent the markets tumbling. Just as the president and Democrats were celebrating passage of their Inflation Reduction Act. A single most important legislation passed in the Congress to combat inflation and one of the most significant laws in our nation's history, in my view. The new law provides funding to fight climate change, ease health care costs, and hike taxes on big corporations. But it does nothing to address short-term price hikes. There's no such thing, of course, as a zero emissions vehicle. The real question is, where are the emissions associated with the electric car? Because what you do with an electric vehicle is you don't eliminate emissions, you export them somewhere else. You have to dig up about 500,000 pounds of materials to make a single thousand pound battery. It takes 100 to 300 barrels of oil to manufacture a battery that can hold one barrel of oil equivalent of energy. Just manufacturing the battery can have a carbon debt rate ranging from 10 tons to 40 tons of CO2. And the plans that are in place to increase the use of batteries will require an increase in production of minerals like lithium, cobalt, zinc. Demand for those minerals will increase between 400% and 4,000%. Isn't enough mining in the world to make enough batteries for that many people for their car? I have to say, I think uh, it's very sad when Germany makes a massive oil and gas deal with Russia where you're supposed to be guarding against Russia, and Germany goes out and pays billions and billions of dollars a year to Russia. So we're protecting Germany, we're protecting France, we're protecting all of these countries. And then numerous of the countries go out and make a pipeline deal with Russia, where they're paying billions of dollars into the coffers of Russia. So we're supposed to protect you against Russia, but they're paying billions of dollars to Russia, and I think that's very inappropriate. And the former chancellor of Germany is the head of the pipeline company that's supplying the gas. Uh, ultimately, Germany will have almost 70% of their country controlled by Russia with natural gas. So you tell me, is that appropriate? I mean, we've, I've been complaining about this from the time I got in. It should have never been allowed to have happened. But Germany is totally controlled by Russia because they will be getting from 60 to 70 percent of their energy from Russia and a new pipeline. And you tell me if that's appropriate, because I think it's not. And I think it's a very bad thing for NATO. We're going to have two million people cross this border for the first time ever. You're confident this border is secure? We have a secure border in that that is a priority for any nation, including ours and our administration. And Vice President Harris uh, said that the border is closed. Is the border closed? Do you believe that the border is closed or is it open? It's open, not closed. The border is open. The border is open. Do you believe that all the migrants believe that the border is open? Yeah, everybody believes that the border is open. It's open because we enter, we come in free, no problem. And, and But it's open for you to come illegally, right? Illegally, yes, illegally, that's true. 
And you came illegally. Yeah, we came illegally, not legal. Now the 1-1. One -one. Swung on, there it goes. Deep left field, it is high. Not as far. It has gone out of the building. Over the high green monster. Over the monster seats. Out onto Lansbone. He is phenomenal. The second home run of the night for Judge. His 57th of the year. And we're all tied at four. I have seen fire and I've seen rain. Welcome back to the Podcast. This is episode number 101 here on Thursday, September 15th. I am your co-host, Tom Pyle. And I'm your co-host, this Mike McKenna. An interesting choice, Mike. A little fire and rain, of course. <laughs> both suicide and heroin addiction. <laughs> I did that whole Perfect. in the famous words that doug andres got on twitter last night he's just like is it just me or is that the weirdest thing you've ever seen and like, <laughs> yeah, doug i don't it's not just you man these guys man i don't know i think they're gaslighting us i think they're just punking us like they had a celebration of of did they pick if they knew that if they knew the numbers and they still pick the date good god help us like Where's the PR? Where's the comms shop? I don't think they care. I think they just like figured, hey, I I have a theory about the timing of this stuff. You want it? Sure. I think a whole bunch of the timing of this White House works around the president's vacation schedule. Yeah, that's probably accurate. You, you or know, you know, know, so so Fridays out, Saturdays are out, Sundays are out, Monday mornings are out. At a certain point, you're just like you're dealing with seventy two hours a week. That's what you got, right? And Think about it. You don't even really have that. You probably have four or five hours a day tops. So, of course, the uh, the fine gentleman who um, gave us a brief synopsis of how bad EVs suck was uh, Mark, Mark Mills, Mills from the Manhattan Institute. Yeah, man. And uh, that uh, Trump jag was his warning to Germany back in 2018. Sure. Pretty much nailed it. Prescient. And of course, uh, Aaron Judge is on his way to potentially break Roger Maris's record. So, yeah, you know, I have kind of mixed feelings about that. I mean, good for good for Aaron, right? That's great. He's having a great season. Um, that Roger Maris record has stood now for sixty-one years, which you know the the record before it only stood for thirty-four years. Maris has held on to it for a long time, and you know he's really suffered for it. I mean, he, when it happened and afterwards, and all that other stuff. I feel kind of I feel kind of bad. I will point out that um, Aaron Judge said yesterday, he said, yeah, you know, Barry Bonds is the real number, right? That 73 number. And I'm just like, literally no baseball fan alive believes that. Everybody believes yeah. Roger Maris is the real number. I was really surprised by that, too. I thought that was a little bit odd. But I think maybe he's trying to nudge the steroid guys into the um, Hall of Fame. Um, did you know we had a secure border? Yeah, man, we do. We have a secure border. Wait, let me say that again. We have a secure border, the best border in the world, blah, 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 blah. You know, my favorite part of this border language that's going on, this border rhetoric that's going on, two different times now, the White House has said in the last week, like, it would be better if we weren't overcoming the, the problems of the last four years, the four years before us. We're doing better than Trump. And I'm just yeah. like, of all the places to pick... I mean, the, 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 the Saul Alinsky force is strong within these folks. 
Oh, seriously. And by the way, just for reference, that Fox piece uh, following Kamala's disastrous interview was interviewing a, a gentleman who just crossed the border, who was then delivered to the front of the vice president's home yeah. from the state of Texas. So, so. okay. So, so, um, <laughs> so Governor DeSantis told us on, so I, I was at a speech that he was at, that he gave on Sunday night down in Florida. And he told us he was going to fly these guys to Martha's Vineyard and some other place. I can't remember where else. I want to say Nantucket, but I'm not sure that's right. Anyway, he told us he was going to do it. And, and, you know, it was like towards the end of the speech. And I remember thinking, did did he say he should do it? Or was, was did he say he was good? <laughs> he did, did it. Did he, you know, and, and then it happened yesterday. I was like, oh, man, he really told us he was just going to do it. I'm like, he wasn't just kidding. I thought he was just kidding. But uh, and I think we all thought he was kidding. But it, it's it, perfect. It's <laughs> it's just the most epic thing ever. And you, I mean, good for these guys because you know what? They're shining a big, bright light on it, and it's got to be annoying the hell out of these these liberals. So, well, I mean, you know, the great thing about it is, and you can tell from the silence, you you know, you get on the other side of it. There's no, there's nothing to say about it, right? You can't. If you're Vice President Harris, if you're the weenies in Martha's Vineyard, if you're New York, if you're D.C., you can't say anything about it because you're like, hey, you're Sanctuary City. Good luck to you. You know, we're yep. sending them all to you. It, it, I don't know who came up with it, but wow, it's genius, man. All right. So any announcements for you? I've got a couple. I have two. Um, I have two. Uh, uh, one is, of course, September 17th, which I think is Saturday, is Constitution Day. Um, get out there and celebrate. Um, and then the other one is in all our um, in all our list of names uh, uh, celebrating the hundredth hundredth episode last week. I think we might have missed Kelly Raymond, so I want to I want to correct that right now. So Kelly, sorry if we missed you. Um, I sh- I think we might have missed a couple others. I'm uh, sure we missed a bunch. Still but... with us. You're still with us in spirit, and and we thank you. And that, that was what I was actually going to say is just thanks. For all the kind words and feedback uh you know it was great to it's great that we've got fans it's kind of fun it's great that we got fans but all of you people who didn't send us like incredibly expensive alcohol like lou and teresa <laughs> you need to step up your game get on it <laughs> get on it okay so uh, another announcement we are taking a week off ladies and gentlemen we are taking next week off our fine producer alex is getting hitched in the motor city Congratulations, Alex. You're definitely marrying up, kind sir. Yeah, man. Ted Nugent's playing the reception. <laughs> Kid Rock. <laughs> <laughs> All right. This day in history, I have three. I put one in specifically for you. The 1862, September 15th, 1862. I'm going to get this because it was part of the Antietam campaign. And I, I know a little something about that campaign. I'm going to guess... This far off the battle, this day in 1862, Stonewall Jackson retook Harper's Ferry from the Yankees. Boom! You nailed it. Well done, sir. Thomas, well done. Thomas Jonathan Jackson, the pride of Virginia. Stonewall returned, returned Harper's Ferry to its rightful owners. Uh, Jackson rolled his artillery into place and began to shell the town on September 14th. The Yanks were short on ammo and miles 
offered little resistance before agreeing to surrender on the morning of September 15th. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Okay, 1978, 19, rolling out to 1978. September of 78. Wow. Yeah, you're not going to get this. Yeah, one. I'm going to give up right now. So Muhammad Ali won his third and final uh, heavyweight against heavyweight. Leon Spinks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Against, in the Superdome in New Orleans. I was going to uh, guess the premier of Mork and Mindy, so I guess I'm glad <laughs> I didn't go there. Cassius <laughs> Clay, of course. Born in Louisville, Kentucky, won the Olympics in 1960 uh, in Rome and defeated Sonny Liston on February 25th, 1964. Or he didn't. Famously declared, I am the greatest. I, and my uh, my Muhammad Ali story is when I was on the Hill, he was up there for some ESPN gig and I got a picture with him, got to shake his hand, but he was well on his way uh to being difficult to hear uh, as a result of his parkinson's yeah. or whatever else yeah happened to him so well, you can't can't box for can't box for 20 years and not have some problems right yeah all right the last one 2008 2008 i have a very personal story about this as well as many people i'm sure what are we september right 2008 September 15th, 2008. Yeah, it's got to be something connected with the financial crisis that, that fall, right? Lehman Brothers seeks Chapter 11 bankruptcy on this ah. day. Running completely out of options. God, At can't... the time, they were the country's fourth largest investment bank yeah, with 25,000 employees. They uh, When they declared bankruptcy, uh, the judge... Approve the deal saying, I have no, I have to approve this transaction because it is the only available transaction. Yeah. Uh, and um, of course, shortly after that, we got too big to fail. So there you go. It, it, the, the, without a doubt, the darkest moment of modern day Republican politics, right? When we just handed, we handed the um, Hank Paulson and Neil Kashkari, you know, seven hundred billion dollars walking around money to give it to their friends. I've said this before; I'll say it again. We had, I think, um, somewhere between two and a half and four million foreclosures in the preceding twelve months, and literally no one cared about that. But once Layman went right. under, once Layman went under, and all of a sudden, all the country club kids like started to have could be at risk. Then we couldn't give enough money fast enough. You want to talk about when the when the convulsions in the Republican Party started, then. then. Oh, I, absolutely. And, and of course, George Bush famously said later he had to give up. His biggest regret was abandoning the free market principles at a time when I needed it most. Yeah, I don't think he. Yeah, man, we're still. Anything else. We're still not right. We're still not right because of that. You want to start with a little polling? I got a couple of quick, quick polls. Sure. Heck yeah. The first is Wisconsin. Ron Johnson's up by one point. Which poll is this? Ron John, this is a Marquette Law School poll. <laughs> okay. Um, I'll just, I'll just, I'll just give you some advance warning. The Marquette guys are iffy. Go ahead. Well, Marquette shows he's up by a percentage, uh, obviously within the margin of error, but this is the first time he's actually led a poll. Um, and of course, uh, people are are pointing to the fact that he's focusing sharply on the crime issue. 
and has been making <laughs> making some gains with it. Hmm, Republicans, you might want. My God, this want, is not complicated. Start doing a doing a, doing a little bit of a pivot. Love of God, no. just focus on crime, the economy, and either education or border security. Wherever you want to, you pick pick a pick one of the topics. That's two topics that work for you. But the Virginia election was just a year ago. I mean, God Almighty, you know, school boards have been toppling left and right, and that's know? why you know. Look, this is why I've been saying that Ron Johnson is going to win that race. I don't care about the polling, right? Because he is a good candidate and a smart guy, and he knows, right? He's hard too. He works hard. He works hard. He's a good candidate. He knows what's going on in his state. He knows that crime's important, and he knows that um, Mandela Barnes is vulnerable on it. He t- he's vulnerable. Guy, guy was like one of the leaders of defund the police, right? That's so he, right. so he's stuck. He can't do anything. Anyway, yep. sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. Yeah. No, no, you're good. I got one more here. Uh, QPAC. Quinnipiac, Quinnipiac, yeah. What they, what Quinnipiac they... has a new poll out in Georgia. I saw that. Incumbent Governor Brian Kemp is beating Democrat Stacey Abrams 50 to 48. Yeah. And has Ralph Senator Warnock uh, beating uh, Herschel Walker 52 to 46. Yeah, I saw that. Uh, but there have been other polls where um, um, Walker had a slight lead, and uh, the QPEC poll in late June had Warnock up by ten. So he's yeah trending in the right direction. Yeah, let but, me let me you know. Here's the bottom line: Herschel Walker is no worse than even in that race, and probably plus two. Um, he's going to win that unless something really unless something odd happens, and I'll and I'll tell you why, because. I think Kemp's up by closer to six or seven over over home um, Stacey Abrams. And there's no You see her walking back her my election was stolen. Yeah. Business. I mean, these people have zero like as if nobody like Yeah, as if as if there's no there's no contemporaneous record of, of any of this yeah, stuff, it's right? It's ridiculous. It's great. It's the best. Um he's gonna win by six or seven. Walker's gonna win by anywhere from two to four. He's gonna run behind him, but not that far behind him. And you know Warnock's inability to put him away is is the story. The story of this cycle is is Senator Warnock, an incumbent senator's inability to put away a former football player with lots of personal issues. Tells you a lot about how um, the 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 sand that's under the Democrats' feet. Yeah, it t- also tells you it, it's not going to get any better. It says now we're in college football season. That's right? right. That's right. And you know the Walker. And, and in all fairness to the, you know, all fairness to Walker in that campaign, they figured out what his strengths are and what his weaknesses are, and they have him do set piece events, and they have him shake hands and sign footballs and sign people's hats and heads and whatever else, yeah. and and everybody loves it. Everybody loves it, and they keep him away from what he has trouble with, which is, you know, the boring parts of being a senator. So, I'm yeah, I'm, exactly. I'm tremendously excited. I think we're going to win in Georgia. I think we're going to win in Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, North Carolina, Ohio. I think we're going to win in Nevada. Arizona is the only question in my head now. Yeah, one more uh, in the in the politics election circuit. Yeah. This is from the L.A. Times uh, yesterday. Two arrested in burglary at Rep. Karen Bass's L.A. home, LAPD says. Hmm. Two people are in custody in connection with the burglary of Rep. Karen Bass's Baldwin Vista home. Two handguns belonging to Bass were stolen Friday night. 
the Los Angeles mayoral candidate said in a statement, cash, electronics, and other valuables at her house weren't taken, Bass said. Bass, who, by the way, is a big anti-gun Sure, I'm going to say. <laughs> it's like, you know, guns for thee, for me, but not for thee. No. I mean, it's, it's. She said she had the guns for protection. Like everybody, unlike people who had them for ornamentation. What the hell? And then, and then she was asked in a debate earlier this year uh, to rate on a scale of one to ten how safe she feels walking around her neighborhood. She said, "Oh, it's a 10. I would say ten. What do you so. need? The, what do you need the gun for? The guns for then? <laughs> you know, I'd like to know. It, it, it'd be nice to know what kind of guns. I mean, it'd be fun if she had a forty-five in there, right? Yeah, I don't think the article says. Which, no, it's which, for protection against the cavalry charge. If they come over the yeah, hill, I got my forty fives. It, it's. So, I did see this. I thought this. This. It. It made me chuckle a little bit. I was like, okay. Yeah, I don't have numbers on this one. I didn't have time to look them up. So uh, we'll we'll find out and, and report back in two weeks. Because as you know, we are taking a week off next week. So just a little bit of fun here with these hypocrite candidates. All seem a lot of them seem to be D's this cycle. The hypocrites makes you wonder why they why they just stole the guns and didn't steal the cash. Also makes yeah. you wonder who has cash floating around their house. <laughs> what the hell goes on? Yeah, indeed. Okay. Um. Any other politics polls no, thoughts um, predictions? Yeah, I'm, I'm, any I'm, races catch your eye or anything? No, I'm pretty much where I am. Right. It. 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 The only thing, the only, the only races that make me nervous are the two Peter Thiel races, right? The, um, the thing in Ohio is a little closer than it should be. You know, Mike DeWine's going to win that governor's race by twelve points. And a friend of mine who used to be the Ohio uh, Republican chairman pointed out to me that we've never actually elected any legitimate conservative, right? He said we we elect sort of conservatives like Portman and Kasich and um, and Mike DeWine. He said, J.D. Vance would be the first legit conservative really elected statewide. He said, that race is going to be closer than people think. I, I spent like an hour and a half with him over the weekend, and it didn't make me feel any better. So I kind of now worried about that one. In Arizona, I'm sure Blake Masters is going to ultimately win, but it, it's not a particularly pretty process. Anyway, but does I don't it? Know. I'm, still, I'm still, I still think it, the Arizonans are going to split and uh, give a go give the governor to to lake but i just i don't know i just let's put it this way we need a little more data on it okay i have the word salad of the day should i save it yeah absolutely no let's play it let's roll it okay hold on today the business of our work is for the council to report on the work that has occurred since our last meeting across these areas we will today also discuss the work Get ahead. The work we must still do. <laughs> Golly. Can't just say today we're going to report on what we've done and talk about what we're going to do. Needs an editor. Maybe I should volunteer. It doesn't get old, man. Maybe I should just say, look, I'm as an American citizen, it makes me sad that like our elected officials can't speak clearly. Let me help. All right, so uh, as we were recording our 100th episode extravaganda, you were, tossed me a note and said uh, the queen is Dead. going fast. And yeah. I think it wasn't a couple of hours after we wrapped that uh, it indeed had happened. So There's a quick decline. 
we, uh, of course, uh, uh, 70 years on the throne. Yeah. It, it, uh, the only queen most of us have ever known in our entire lives. Well, I don't actually know any queens. And well, I'm, you know what I mean, are, are aware of. Fair enough. I don't curtsy, I don't curtsy to any queen. I don't recognize any royalty. I'm an American, so sorry. Yeah. So anyways, just wanted to acknowledge. And of course, my theory the whole time was that she was holding out. She, she, she didn't want to pass it up. She didn't want to pass it to Charles. She was hoping maybe she could wait and, you know, maybe hand it on over to well, Harry or whichever. What's, who's the good son now? I can't remember who the bad one is. Uh, the older one is the better one. I think that's Henry. Henry. I, I, look, Henry, they're all Henry. they're all Germans. So what difference does it make? I mean, you got you the English people ruled by German kings. There is a couple of, of stuff, things floating around on Twitter. I don't know if you saw them, where Ch Char uh, King Charles, King Charles the Third, baby, and he's like pointing to things on the desk so that aides can remove them. Like it's like beneath him to like physically relocate something. That yeah. is, can, can, this guy can, is just gonna like it's. He's, he's gonna be. Let me, let, me, let me make three observations real quick. First off, he's a knob and everybody knows it, right? And that's a problem. And then two is, you're probably right. She was hanging on as long as she could because secretly, and people who are parents will understand this, secretly most parents think their kids are idiots. Right, that you know, they, they're, they're like you, you, you live a life of desperation that your children are are like going to just be hopeless and wind up, you know, starving to death somewhere. Um, because they're so clueless. So I'm sure she thought that. And then the third thing is, and this is something important, right? This is the important one. Um, I've been thinking a lot about this. The, the The advantage of a monarchy is this. The advantage of a monarchy is this. It, it, it allows people to have a, a focus of their sentiments, their patriotic sentiments, right? And in the absence of a monarchy, sometimes that focus wanders off to, you know, political leaders, which is terrible, right? So I can yes. see, I can see a world in which the monarchy attenuates, cools political passions, and is therefore very, very useful. That's that's I, I get that, and I and I and I and I think the queen. I want to say this as well as I can. The queen did that better than anybody anybody in any history that I know of, at least in the last, yeah. at least in the last five I mean, or 600 years. She's had her rough patches, right? Uh, there was a, there was a train wreck uh, of a nineties there for a while, but she put it back together. Yeah, it was and... mostly because of her idiot children. Right. Exactly. I mean, you know, it wasn't her, it was her idiot children. You know, none of us want to be held responsible for our idiot children. So, so she did a great job. She's going to be missed. And, 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 and missed by people who have some some um, attachment to, I'm going to call them conservative values. I don't mean conservative like political conservative. I mean just conservative world values. The, the thing the thing that kind of worries me is that he's going to start talking about politics and undermine all of that. You so know? you we, we riffed on this a little bit off the uh, out of the studio, and my thought was immediately that. Yeah, he's going to use the platform to push some of his garbage. But you immediately said, no, there's probably too many 
too many restrictions. King duties and restrictions uh, around that. So you think you're rethinking that a little bit? I am a little bit because I had a chance to to sit down and think. Okay, what's the actual purpose and value of this monarchy, right? Um, and it is just that is to center patriotic sentiment, right, and and clear it away from political sentiment. Um, you know, the same function that in our society, the, the founders used to have, right. That, you know, you, you revered George Washington and Thomas Jefferson and those guys. Um, and you could delineate them from your current political leaders because they were very different. So anyway, I get the feeling, and then I thought, well, Charles is a knob, right. Um, my very strong vibe is he doesn't understand what the monarchy is. Um, and he's going to run around and probably make political speeches. We're going to know here in the next six months, right? Yeah. <clears throat> it, yeah. It, it, for, for the sake of the British people, um, for whom I have no affection whatsoever, but who are, in <laughs> fact, um, children of God, same as me. For the yeah, sake well, of the- to, to the extent they are, it's like... Uh, is there one thing about your opponent, sir? That you- <laughs> <laughs> I like the I like the concept of the British people. Um, I hope that he he rises <laughs> to the occasion and and can sublimate his own political preferences. But who he he doesn't seem like the kind of guy who's going to be able to rise or sublimate or any of that stuff. Yeah, I'm 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 yes. I'm mostly gonna if he does back off. I'm mostly gonna miss making fun of him uh, uh about uh, about his absurdities uh, and the and the rank hypocrisy of his let me uh, ask you a question okay did you did do you guys remember this and, and the i think it was politico or somebody like stamped his like commitment to climate by referencing the fact that his aston martin runs on wine and cheese like 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 literally like that was his sacrifice <laughs> okay he is very much like an american an american formerly elected official hold on hold on hold on i have a clip for this hold on i can i think i can guess who it is and he's actually there i, I don't know if he flew in his private jet or not um it's not political there's no, there's no ideology in it it's not a republican democrat slash tory labor issue uh, it's a universal issue defined by science. <laughs> There's our boy. That's exactly who he's like. He even yeah. looks like him. He even Special looks like him. John Kerry must be elated that his doppel- doppelganger is now the king. King, king of England. <laughs> Queen's a man. King's a man. It, it, uh, it you know, <laughs> it just cracked me up. All right, so then let's do this now here in the show. Let's insert our interview from earlier uh, with Mandy Gunasakara, who uh, has joined us one other time. She's our only repeat guest. (laughs) I'm not not sure what that says about us, but okay. I think we have on our one hand, we can count our guests. So Um, I think we've had like, what, three, four? We've had uh, Kathleen. We've had Sagama. We've had Kathleen and Liz. Andy Price, Liz, and Brightbill. I think that's five. No, we've had the guy from uh, Minnesota. Uh, refresh my memory. The thing that... Oh, yeah, yeah. Jason. 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 Hayes. J- Michigan. I'm Thank sorry. You. Michigan. I'm sorry, Jason. Michigan. Six. We've had six guests. So, okay. So, we'll turn it over to the interview right now, and then we'll come back and close out with some, uh, with some energy and uh, maybe a little closeout clip. What do you say? Winner. We have a very special guest on the Unregulated Podcast. 
Mandy Guanacicara. Um, she was the principal deputy assistant administrator for air and radiation at the United, huh? That's impressive. At the United States Environmental Protection Agency during the Trump administration. Um, I know. I, I can hardly believe I got that all got that right <laughs> the first really time. Smart. Yeah, that's why, that's yeah, why I yeah, keep yeah. Um, and has done just a bunch of things, and I'm going to let her tell you what she's doing right now. What are you up to? I'm up to a lot. I know. That's why I can't keep track of it. I know. Okay. So my day job is I've got a consulting practice with my husband, Section 7 Strategies. So we help all sorts of folks interact with the federal government. Um, And then I also work with the Independent Women's Forum. I'm a senior policy analyst there and handle energy, climate, the environment, and ESG. And then I also have a nonprofit called the Satoshi Action Fund, where we are pushing Bitcoin mining legislation at the state and local level aimed at shoring up that important infrastructure. And I'm working on a documentary and a book, and that's it. But I think that's it. I think that's everything. And I'm a mom. So that keeps me busy, too. I was going to say, are you sure you're not associated with any other organization? (laughs) I think that's all the organizations I'm officially associated with. Not the Texans? Not the what? Not the Texans. The Texans? Oh, TPPF? TPPF. Well, I don't know. I don't officially. I love uh, them and I support okay. them. But, but, but okay. But yeah, they don't They don't send me a paycheck anymore. So. That, well, that what? Means, that means we might have to snag you as a, uh, a senior fellow for the Institute for Energy Research one of these days. Yeah, well, um, I'm I'm always happy to work with my friends and the, the smart guys saying the right things. Let so. me ask you a question about this, Tom. How come I'm not a senior fellow somewhere? <laughs> I'm the senior most person I know in this racket, and I'm not a senior fellow. I'm like, I'm senior by 10 years over anybody else. What do you, I'm supposed to be a senior fellow at ACU, but they refuse to put me on the website. I so do remember I that. <laughs> That's probably all for the best. That's probably all for the best. Um, By the way, we all love we love the Independent Women's Forum. So we do. I'm glad you're working with them. I do. We are. They're a great organization, absolutely. Yeah, super uh, great. Okay, let me just ask a simple question: Are they in favor of a carbon tax? Yes or no? No. Okay, there we go. That was easy. We signed some letters about that too. <laughs> <laughs> that 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 seemed to be a lot easier than other times we've asked that question. Um, it's going to be harder to make me cry. It it. <laughs> Challenge accepted. Okay. Assuming the Republicans take at least one body of the United States Congress in this election, what should they do? Wow, that's a really big question. I know. <clears throat> You're a big thinker. I'm taking notes because I was asked to write an op-ed about this very subject. Okay. So. <laughs> let, me, let me write Tom's op-ed for him. Um, <laughs> I think first and foremost, foremost uh, they need to find out ways to expedite permitting and access to the abundant resources we've been so wonderfully blessed that need to be developed and delivered to market. And there's a lot of different ways they could go about doing that. But serious permitting reform, one of the things that is holding up that whole process um, is the fact that this administration early on undid a lot of the improvements we instituted under NEPA. And they need to limit reviews for certain projects um, they need to also shore up pipeline approvals. We have these resources. We need to be able to efficiently deliver them to market. And I really think focusing on the inter- energy story, number one, it's good politically because nobody likes high gas prices, but it's also good for the economy because if you fix the energy problem and the supply-demand um, 
the fact that it doesn't match up anymore. If you fix that, that's also going to address some of the inflationary issues and the economy writ large. So I would I would start with that. Senator Manchin's permitting reform, true or false? False. It's set Re- up to fail. Real or bogus? It's bogus. Well, I don't know. I haven't seen it. No one's seen it. No one's seen it. There's 400 different versions of the text floating around intentionally, but let's just assume it is what we think it is. Real or bogus? I, but what do you mean by that? I, th- I think maybe there's some real aspects to it, but I don't think it's actually going to help and it is set up to fail. It's set up to blame Republicans. It's set up to try and shift the criticism that is rightfully placed at the feet of this administration about their disastrous energy policies, and it is designed for Republicans to vote against a empty effort under the auspices of improving permitting in order to shift that criticism back on Republicans. If you were going to write a real permitting reform legislation, what organic statutes would you go and amend? NEPA, number one, which I heard is off limits. So I was going to say. Thanks. Thanks for leading me to the right answer. Yeah, you're welcome. What else? Would you go after the Clean Water Act, Section 401 and Section 404? Would you think about amending those? Yeah, I would I would definitely Endangered do that. Endangered Species, Section 3 and Section 7? All these things that are unnecessarily slowing down. The Antiquities and Historical Preservation Act, Section 106, that? Yeah, go after that? These, those are good places to start. Does the Mansion legislation touch any of that? Not that I've seen. No. No. The answer is no. No. The answer is no. Okay. So that's what... You'll be happy to know this is breaking news. I heard a rumor that Business Roundtable is endorsing the mansion permitting exercise. How How in the world can they... They can't endorse something that... We, don't, we haven't seen text yet. We haven't seen text. Okay. No one's seen text. It, it, it's, I'm sure it's going to bring a bunch of Republicans along. It, it has to be passed <laughs> before you can even see it. Nothing says victory like Josh Bolton, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> <laughs> and and the, the, lady from, uh, the lady from GM that actually runs it. What's her name? Mary Barra. Okay, so Republicans should do something like, like real permitting reform. Yeah. What are they going to do when they take over at least one body of Congress? This is a game we play on this show. What are they going to do? Yeah, what are they going to do? I think they're going to introduce a lot of bills aimed at improving the economic situation. I will say that Republicans going into the campaign trail, it's very obvious that they listen to their constituencies um, that largely reside outside of the D.C. bubble. So I know there's these various working groups that McCarthy has put together. Um, and folks have been thinking critically about- Those are task forces, please. Okay, fine. Task forces. But they, they have been- I think they've learned the lesson that when we have, when we retake the majority in one of the houses, let's not waste time coming up with the plan. We should already have the plan. Um, and so I do think that their permitting reform is going to be at the top of the list, um, maybe real infrastructure investment. I also think there's going to be a lot of efforts aimed at deterring the reach of the federal bureaucracy and trying to push back against, you know, some of the, the the woke ideology that has found its way into the financial sector, ESG. I don't know. I think that they're, they're going to introduce you. a lot. I'm we'll willing see to what bet you. I'm willing to passed. bet you a hundred bucks that we spend all of our emotional energy on oversight. Well, we're basically going to ch- chase Hunter Biden around a, around the merry-go-round for eighteen months. 
this administration needs some oversight. No They've doubt. They've had zero. They've had absolutely zero. But there's a lot more than just Hunter Biden. I mean, I, I I'm sure there is. I'm just saying it. It these task forces of which you speak are now um, 14 months old. I have yet to see anything from them. <laughs> I've yet to see anything from them. Like guys, I could seriously write the energy environmental one for you tomorrow morning. I have some to you like noon tomorrow. Um, the office of Minority Leader McCarthy. Emily, I'm happy to write that. If you need somebody to do it, I'll have it on your desk within 24 hours. You should do it. You should have it. Put it out there. Let's get this done. I do agree. There's gonna there is I, gonna I, be a lot of there's gonna be a lot of focus on oversight. I don't work for the Republicans. No, I know. I don't even like most of them, to be honest with you. <laughs> you said you didn't like me when you first met me. So, and there we uh, have yeah, it. There, I don't know. I I'm, don't I'm know. reduced down to liking only Florida men at this point. Um, <laughs> all right. Who should we support for president in 2024? Trump, if he runs. Not DeSantis. Well, sure. I like DeSantis, too. But if Trump runs, I think that he's going to win the ticket. And whoever it is, we need to all coalesce behind him. Can I ask her. you a different question? Yeah, sure. Does it matter? If it's Trump or DeSantis? If it's Trump or someone else. I mean, that's a serious question. It does matter. You know, the party is now is now so... Well... S go ahead. You first. <laughs> I interrupted you. No, no, no. Go ahead. Well, I, I think what matters is it going to be someone with a backbone that is willing to follow through on the things they say they will do, like Trump. Or is it going to be someone who is more of the establishment that says the right things to get elected, but then comes here and doesn't actually follow through and ultimately makes um, lives of a Republican and those who want to see conservative outcomes actually come to fruition that much more difficult? I actually think that is what's important. And who is best to fill the has has a spine and is going to push back and actually follow through? Trump's at the top of, top of the ticket because he did that for four years and he would have done it for another four years, but for COVID. So, um, yeah, I think that's that's where I would draw a dividing line as to where it really matters. And if there's other folks that have that backbone and the ability to bring in folks that are going to be no nonsense um, and, and get things done, then I'm going to support that person. Fair. Um, I, think, I think a lot of the, a lot of this, much of the speech are radical back in midterms when the field is sort of rehashed and like they say oh, how good how good a run trump had with his candidates and everything else and of course it all depends on trump right like we're all waiting for his decision yeah <clears throat> not all of us tom <laughs> not all of us um who should be the next administrator of epa in the event the republicans take the white house in our lifetime Ooh, that's a good question i know right mm. yeah mm -hmm. well Andrew Wheeler's time was cut short. What? Yeah. Andy's like 400 years old, man. I'm talking, come on. Time, <laughs> yeah. time, time, for, time to young up the crew a little bit. Go <laughs> ahead. Give me, so Andy's your first answer. <laughs> Andrew, um, hmm. Andy's older than me for, for the love of God. Well, if you can take a break from the good things he's doing in Virginia. Um, you you know. good things in Virginia? Yeah, he's the D-reg czar. I know. Isn't, I know. Isn't, yeah. I know. I'm a taxpayer in Virginia. I'm, I'm you know. Who do you think should be administrator? Nope. I'm asking the questions here. Well, Tom, who do you think? He's not here in person. I vote for Mandy G. That's the correct answer, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. All right, Mandy G for administrator. Mandy G. And who should be the who should be the assistant administrator for air and radiation? Let's bring back Bill. Bill Wareham? Yes. I have a different answer for that. Actually, I like Bill. I, you know, it's either Bill or uh, Aaron Zabo. 
I would uh, I would put him up because he knows this stuff inside and out. Those are all good answers. Unfortunately, they are both incorrect. Okay, what's the right one? Lead me to it. The correct answer is Margaret Caravelli. Oh, yeah, yeah. The person, the person on our side who knows the mostest and um, can explain it the bestest, right? That's what we need us. Yes, that's correct. That is correct. Who should be the Secretary of Interior? The Secretary of Interior. Oh, that's easy. Um, Kate. McGregor? Yeah. Try again. It has to be somebody from the West. Oh, Kathleen. Kathleen who? Sugiyama? No. Sagama? No. Oh, man. How terrifying would that be? <laughs> Harriet. Harriet Hageman. I would go a long way to see Kathleen Sagama run, run interior. I didn't even think of that. That right? may be the greatest idea I've ever heard. Holy mackerel. I was going to say Tom Pyle, but oh well. sorry. I think Kathleen wins that. Wait, is Tom? Tom's a Westerner? Are you a Westerner, Tom? Oh, go ahead, Tom. I have roots in the West. Yes, I ran. I worked. I lived and worked uh, for California members uh, for many, many years. So. Oh, okay. He, 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 I have. I have East Coast. I have a little East Coast. I have a little West Coast. You're kind of a coastal elite. That's what that's what it sounds like to me. I mean, I think of the Matt West. <laughs> I, I, I do not drive in EV. From from oh. Buffalo and Modesto, he's a coastal elite. <laughs> Lodi, Lodi. Lodi, it's even worse. Yeah, he ran the Western Caucus. Got it. In the house. Okay. All right. Fine. Fine. You qualify. That's a classic. <laughs> coastal elite. Um, all right. Um, lightning round. Okay. Carbon tax, yes or no? No. Social cost of carbon, appropriate number? The current one? Yeah. No, it should go back to what it was when we had set it. The, if there um, should be one. You saw the guys who came out, uh, one of the environmental groups came out and said it should be 185 bucks, right? I did. Yeah, I did see that. Yeah, well, if you if you think about the $380 billion we just spent, the um, social cost of carbon inside that legislation, Inflation Reduction Act, is about 350 bucks per. Well, there right? you go. Um, should we have a social cost of carbon? Should it be a number or should it be a variety of metrics? Like, hey, how much is this going to affect global average temperatures? Well, yeah, I think it should be tied to its outcome on the things we're purportedly taking these actions to change. So, yeah, I do think it should be a variety of factors. That'd be more accurate and honest approach to those assessments. It's a crazy thought, but you're right. Um, I think that's... questions in here, sir? Sure. So you spent a fair amount of time in the real world. What's the mood out there? So folks are, they're kind of down, actually. Um, And it's a combination of groceries are so expensive. Gas is so expensive. So people are down about that. They're hopeful that Republicans are going to take back the House and take back the Senate. But there's been, a you know, if you only listen to the media, there's been this momentum shift that that people hear and they're worried. One of the first questions when I go up to folks is, do you think, are, are the Republicans still going to win this fall? And I'm like, yes, absolutely. Um, in the House, I think we have good, strong candidates in the Senate, but I do have to reassure them. So I, at the end of the day, people are struggling in this economy and they talk about that. And it always comes out to, I can't believe I spend so much at the grocery store these days. And then it comes down to, are Republicans actually going to win this fall? And when 
when I reassure them on some of those fronts, they then are hopeful that they'll see some policy shift that turns things around for them for the better. Good answer. I like it. Do you think the Republicans are connecting or are you, are you buying all this Washington cowboy cook about how the D's now have momentum? Do I think the... What? Do you think the hard Republican candidates are connecting with Who do you think is going to win? Republicans. Gobbledygook about the Dems gaining all this momentum because of Roe and all this other stuff. Can I sharpen that? Predict, predict the Senate and the House. Form. There we go. Like, just uh, who's going to win here? Who's going to win? Okay, okay, okay. Well, yeah, I think the House is it's going to be Republicans, and in the Senate, I think I actually think Republicans will come through. I was talking to someone who's very in the know of Ohio politics, and they just said it's ridiculous for folks to suggest that JD Vance isn't going to win, and. You know, you don't want to, I think about it like this. You don't want to peak too early. You know, the Democrats are getting sure full of themselves in August. Well, there's a lot of time between August and November, especially especially when you're looking at it from a momentum swing and you want that swing to occur in your favor end of October, start of November. And I really do feel like our candidates that have been under the gun in a lot of these races, whether it's Oz, whether it's Herschel Walker in Georgia, um, or whether it's uh, J.D. Vance in Ohio, things are shifting their way, or shifting towards the Republicans' way. And I think that'll lend itself to the momentum we want at the right time and lead us to victory. But I, I do tend to be an optimist on these sorts of things. But um, She's read my column. I, yeah. <laughs> I have to, I have to yeah. know. I, Everyone's I, read my column. I like your column. Everyone, I wrote this a week ago. Oh, well. But basically, we've seen top-end Democrat on this thing. Yeah. Well, and also you're seeing like um, Cortez Masto, you saw numbers come out this week where she's in trouble and, you know, she's she's been trying to say one thing and do another. And Democrats typically can get away with that. Say one thing to the voters, do something else um, in Washington, D.C. And I think the fact that her approvals are falling, it just shows that voters actually are paying attention to the fact that Whatever marketing is coming from their representatives, their lives are worse off today and they want to see a change. And I think that that's ultimately what's going to matter going into the ballot box, what's going to, going to be good for Republicans. True or false, the Republicans are going to do something terrible and lame duck under the, under the rubric of clearing the decks. <laughs> Probably true. <laughs> Probably true. A great you know? response. If, if, if history is a guy. Can't resist. We just can't help ourselves. We just, yeah, um, we have a way of shooting ourselves in the foot. It, it, it. Don't want to, Don't have the new guys have any tough votes. So we're just going to clear it out. The best thing Congress could do is nothing between now and the next Congress. The best thing Congress could do is is nothing between now and whenever the republic falls. <laughs> I don't want the republic to fall. <laughs> I, I just it, 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 the whole thing set up to do nothing. And that's what it should do. That's the constitutional arrangement. Consider yourself a MAGA, ultra MAGA Republican? I am super duper ultra MAGA Republican. And hence, do you, uh, do you feel that you're a semi-fascist? No, but I've, I've met fascists. Are you a three-quarters fascist? <laughs> I'm a zero. <laughs> I'm a zero percent fascist, a hundred percent ultra MAGA. <laughs> All right. Last thoughts. Um, what do we? What should we have asked you, and what do you want to answer that we were not smart enough to have asked? Oh, 
I knew you were going to put me on the spot. I was. I told you I was really unprepared. I had. I had no. I'm sorry. It, it, I had no ladies time to and plan. gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, I want. To, I want you to pay attention. Asking an open-ended question is now putting people on the spot in this country. It is. The whole world's gone to hell. It is. I literally just say, say whatever you want to say, and that's you know, say what you want to say. Well, gold miss. Hotty toddy. Um, okay, there's that cue. Uh, I want I want one of you to be my guest the next time I'm hosting. I'm also a backup host for the only statewide conservative radio show radio show in Mississippi called Super Talk, and I would, would like one of you to be Tom. my guest on Tuesday. Uh, yeah, why not both of us? Or both of you. That would be uh, fun. But it's only 11 minutes. And it's I just, only 11 minutes, I can't, Tom. So. I can't. It's going to have to be Mike because I'm, I'm actually at SPM next week. And I actually have meetings to do. Like, it's, uh, it's going to be insane. Is that next week? Yes. Man, I'm not going next to that week. either. I feel kind of left out this, this fall. Well, I'm in. Can I come on in the future, though? Yeah. No. Yes. No, it's Tuesday or never, punk. <laughs> That's it. It's a do or die. Our, producer, our crack producer will put the Twitter handle in show notes for that show if you, if you provide it for him. So Great. Well, and one more plug for the producer to consider is um, check out my work at Independent Women's Forum. Um, we've got I, and I say we because I've got... Um, a senior fellow named Gabriella Hoffman, who is a really well-known writer. She writes a lot in the conservation space, but we're tackling everything energy, environment, to crypto, to ESG. So if folks are interested in seeing some of that work, I direct you to Independent Women's Forum. Winner. Will do. And the last question for me, what is the greatest podcast in the universe? It's the only one I listen to, which is the Unregulated Podcast. Really, really, really? Is that was, is that what it's come down to now? I, <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna hold our guests hostage until they say we're the greatest. <laughs> I was prepared for that one, actually. Yeah, that, I saw that question coming. Yeah, she saw it coming from you too. There, um, go T man. Um, thank you so much, Mandy, for being here. Yeah, um, always fun. Yeah, we, we'll have you on again. You know, provided this thing wasn't absolutely terrible. I'm gonna bring yeah. my own questions next time. Why? Well, because I feel like you should be in the hot seat, too. <laughs> okay? I want to try I'm to make you cry. Instead of, instead of that, why don't we just have you on one episode that you can rip with us? Yeah, I'll just do it. I'll ride along. Keep in mind, you know, at that, at, that point, at that point, you're not a guest. At that point, you're not a guest. You're another co-host, and therefore— I'm going to put that on my resume. Are, Assistant co-host. Are open, to, are open to whatever kind of violence, rhetorical or otherwise, we feel like dropping on you. So. Okay, well— Hey, I'm I, amused by the idea that somebody could ask me a question that put me on the hot seat. That's fun. That's good. And, good and fun, that way, kids. That way, like, you know, much like Rush, whenever one of us is sick or whatever, you can fill it. True. Yeah. Or bored so. or just don't feel like doing it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Say thank you, Tom. Thank you, Mandy. You are most welcome. Thank you, Mandy. <laughs> You're welcome, too. <laughs> All right. We are back. Thank you, Mandy, for spending some time in the AEA studios. And thank you, Mike, for uh, being the lead dog on that uh, on that interview. Yeah, uh, it was, I don't understand. Is riveting. 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 <laughs> riveting. riveting? <laughs> I, I, and I, we're going to audition her for guest host. Wait until I, wait until I, wait until I do my interview with Vice President Harris. <laughs> <laughs>
right. Speaking of interviews. By the way, if any, by the way, if any of our other guests want to be guest hosts, just come on and and we'll we'll ask you a bunch of questions and give you a tryout. We'll, uh, speaking we'll, of, we'll eventually just outsource all of this. Yeah. Speaking <laughs> of though, for now, speaking of things that you either write or interviews you that you either give, uh, what what's going on at the Washington Times uh, this week with your column and or other other things you want to point out? Yeah, I wrote two columns. Right, I filed two, same as always. Right, Monday's column was. Um, these guys have spent, uh, I think, three point six billion. A trillion was the number I had, right? Including student, um, including student uh, debt, loan debt forgiveness, right? Um, in the last three or four pulses, right? The chips, the reconciliation, and the student loan stuff. Um, and I simply pointed out that absolutely none of that um, represented any progressive priority, right? The student loan thing, maybe you could argue about it, but really it wasn't a child. You know, we didn't talk about child tax credits or child care tax credits or uh, Medicare for all or free community college, Medicare for all, free community college or expansion of Medicare. You know, all the stuff that Senator Sanders has been talking about. So um, the title of it was somewhat provocative. The Democrats don't help the poor. And when they have the chance, they don't really tax the rich either. Right. The tax stuff was all ultimately going to flow through to the middle class. And ding them. Uh, and it kind of bothered me a little bit that no one's been talking about it other than Senator Sanders. Obviously, mm -hmm. obviously, for whom I am about to now go work. Um, this is my like third column that I've said, hey, man, guy's got himself a point. Um, yeah, I don't think it's healthy for American politics to be dominated by two parties, both of whom worry about, gee, what does the business class want? Um, yeah, that's that was that was my little jab about the business roundtable in our interviews. Yeah, so. it's just not healthy. It's not. It's not <clears throat> and I and I honestly think that's going to cost them votes. It should. It should. It should. It should. You had yeah. you, you know you had a third of the caucus go along with the chips thing. That that's ridiculous. Why? Anyway, so that was Monday's column, and then uh, the column that ran today uh, was an outgrowth of a conversation I had with a friend of mine. Um, who asked, quite rightly, why was I defending Trump um, in public? And, and I don't think I've actually ever defended Trump. I simply raised other questions about the FBI and the rule of law and January 6th and how the January 6th committee has no legislative function that it's dropping anybody, NCP subpoenas on anybody. They're not legislating, right? That if you're a fan of the rule of law, you need to be opposed to the January 6th commission, you, committee. You need to be opposed to what the FBI is doing, right? You know, you need to be concerned about lying to get FISA warrants. You need to be, yeah. you know, you need to be concerned about people who surveil reporters, for God's sake. So anyway, that's the column today. Well, I expect let, let, go ahead, sir. I'll finish up. I no, wanna... I was just going to say, I expect yeah. it to, to, to be greeted with great fanfare. And lots of people saying you should defend Trump, defend Trump, and a lot of people saying, you know what, I'm perfectly okay. The FBI tears apart the whole world so long as they get this guy. And both both theories of the case are wrong. Great. So thank you again, our co-sponsor of the Washington Times, and thank you, Mike, for all the good and con. No, I wouldn't say controversial, but necessary discourse that you provided yeah, uh, man. i'm just going to revert back to like writing columns about joe biden's a bad guy vote for somebody else <laughs> it's a hell of a lot uh, easier all right uh 
couple few quick energy hits here since we are uh, the American Energy Alliance podcast. One, um, this is how it works, folks. Uh, this is how the the um, unraveling of uh, something uh, takes place. First, you have the left bloody up bloody up a product or bloody up a, 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 a position or a policy and and i personally couldn't be happier if we got rid of the ethanol mandate uh but i find it funny and ironic uh that just as uh the the law is written uh starting next year correct me if i'm wrong starting next year the epa has a significant hand on writing the rules yeah of the, the renewable fuels standard or mandate the, the the mandate that requires ethanol in in gasoline yeah we have no enumerated volumes after this year yeah so uh this is a special report from reuters by a reporter named lee leah douglas who writes u.s uh ethanol plants are allowed to pollute more than oil refineries and uh, the crux of the article is, is that uh, most of the ethanol plants are grandfathered from rules or uh, being able to uh, ratchet down emissions from, from ethanol plants. Um, okay, but the article is chock full of uh, quotes from said university, this guy, or said environmentalist, that guy, which trashes the hell out of ethanol in the general sense, and then moves beyond that uh, and says that uh, the EPA needs to uh, start getting really aggressive at going after these plants and, oh, yeah. and forcing them to um, reduce their, their life cycle costs, which some claim that it produces more carbon, 24% more carbon dioxide than your traditional um, gas uh, refinery, oil refinery for gasoline. And also um, ethanol produces as much as 40% overall life cycle emissions higher than gasoline. So uh, my point is this, these, this is the softening. This is where uh, the process starts. And, and you see the article, you'll see articles, you'll see um, op-eds you'll see this coming out of the and then what happens after that is the epa takes uh, takes the renewable fuels standard the rfs away from ethanol and moves it towards evs yeah right. and guess what when that happens the ethanol, ethanol guys lose complete so my point is that uh they have been for years resisting offers options to sort of team up with uh liquid fuel liquid gas people the refiners etc uh because they've had this gravy train known as the renewable fuels standard they have not deviated one inch uh from eking out as much uh, profit as they can from that program and now it is likely to be ripped underneath from underneath them to where the point where they may not have a product at all, or, or uh, let me rephrase, they might not have a delivery mechanism for their product. Yeah. That sound right? Yeah. I mean, that's, that's, that's eventually the liquid fuel guys are all going to be pointing in the same direction. I have no idea how many years there's going to be in an eventually, but yeah. 
It, it, it and EPA identifies not EPA. Folks on the left understand that too, right? So they need to nick up, like you said, they need to nick up the the ethanol guys now. It's yeah. kind of it's kind of I'm I'm looking I'm, uh, I'm, Oh Bob Bedin, you yeah you, you should yeah you, you shouldn't have been so bullish. You know Terry so. Branstead, Chuck Rassley, Joni Ernst, the rest of those guys, you know. It, it part the, of the me mafia. Yeah, part part of me thinks they deserve it all, but Unfortunately, yeah. we're on. Unfortunately, we're on the same boat, so I don't want it to sink. All right, one more. Sue and Settle is back. Full operation. Uh, this is off of the editorial board from the Wall Street Journal on September thirteenth. Biden freezes oil and gas leases, calling Joe Manchin. Interior uses Sue and Settle to, to suspend Trump era approvals. Um. The department last week agreed to conduct additional climate reviews for five federal oil and gas leases held in 2019 and 2020 that were challenged by environmental groups. Activists claimed that the Trump administration didn't sufficiently study the climate impact of these leases under NEPA. So you think uh, old Manchin's permitting charade is going gonna, is gonna to help in this case or what? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's gonna help. Everything, everything, it'll solve everything. I uh, and and for those who who don't understand or haven't heard the concept of sue and settle, um, it, it basically goes like this: you have all these rules and you have all these like re, you know regulations that are being pumped pumped out, uh, and you have decisions that are made by the agencies, and then people don't people who don't want these in this case don't want leases to happen file lawsuits using the, the permitting process, using the process, NEPA and all these other environmental statutes to basically say, no, no, you, you can't do that. You didn't, like, you haven't sufficiently um, considered the impacts. So they find a judge somewhere out there in the world who is sympathetic to their case. They file the suit. The suit presses on, everything goes, goes hold. Okay. Then at some point, the administration is, in this case, the Biden administration, settles the lawsuit with the Green Group, basically giving them 80% of what they had asked for, and everyone goes home happy. And oh, by the way, the Green Groups get their legal fees paid for as well. So the previous administration under President Trump sought to do away with this but again, unless and until Congress makes actually makes and passes laws, they can just simply be undone, right? Just, just as swiftly as that they were Im implemented. So uh, even if Mr. Manchin prevails and it's not looking so good, it isn't going to stop something like this because he's not even seeking to attempt to go after the big daddy of them all, which is the National Environmental Whatever Policy Act say, or whatever. Yeah. yeah. So. Yeah, yeah. If, if 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 the Republicans ever want to say anything about what they're going to do, they should say, "Hey, we're not gonna, we're not gonna have it. We're gonna have votes on whether we should have eighty-seven thousand new IRS agents. We should have votes on energy production. We should have votes on sue and saddle. We should have votes on permitting reform. We should have votes on all this stuff." I'm gonna bet you a hundred bucks that we're not gonna have votes on any of this stuff, though. Because yeah, you know we're gonna we're gonna be busy doing oversight of you know, somebody's laundry. 
All right. Well, I am about done here. Um, any last, any best and finals for you? Yeah, I have one. I want to, I want to thank, um, I want to thank one of our listeners, Barbara, for coming up with our new tagline. Oh yes. Thank you. I forgot about that. The, good. The, good. The, she suggested, she described it as she described the unregulated podcast as upbeat, rational, but understandably cynical. <laughs> Not only do I want that as a tagline, I want it on my tombstone. So I think that it it's probably a little bit more uh, refined than two cr- cranky old white dudes. <laughs> <laughs> two old cranky white white American dudes just rip on the world. Yeah. Anyway, I just want to get that before we before we close up. Good call. Thank you again, Mandy. Thank you again, Washington Times. Thank you again, producer Alex. I hope you have an amazing week and I hope I never, I don't hear from you, but you better get all that crap done on your, on your to-do list. Um, Closing out with this, Mike, there's a, there's a controversy in Massachusetts. It's, it's a big deal. It's a big deal. Yeah. Give a listen, give a listen. There are 351 municipalities in Massachusetts and 1,073 Duncan locations. Billerica has three on Boston Road, but further down 495, the town of Stowe is a Duncan desert. There is no more Dunkin' Donuts in Stowe. Absolutely none. Those bastards. Up until this year, they had two. Now they're both closed. Neighbors are handling it like you might expect. Yeah, it sucks. There's nothing fun to do. And Dunkin' Donuts was the one place where everyone likes to go. Bummed out. Yeah? Yeah. Because I've been traveling further away to go to Dunkin' Donuts. Yeah? Uh, How far do you have to travel now? Over a mile and a half. (laughs) These days, you got to go around to Hudson. You got to go to Sudbury. You got to get leave the state. I mean, not the state. You got to leave Stowe, though. (laughs) Terrible. We're finding refuge at the two dunks in Maynard, much to the dismay of Maynardians like Michael. Especially if people are coming from Stowe. They're going to come through here on their way to work. Then I get held up for work. But back in Stowe, a town with an airport, three golf courses, and some horses, they just want solutions. Don't live in Stowe anymore. You think it's worth moving out because there's no dunks? Yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm sad. Sad for people of Stowe. Oh, and for this gate. From the drive-thru, I'm Matt Shearer. For more Dunks drama, ask Alexa to play WVZ News Radio on iHeartRadio. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no more Dunkin' and Stowe, man. It's... What are these poor bastards going to do? <laughs> they got to park the car in the neighboring city. Okay. How, how is New England still a part of this country? I really don't know. <laughs> Uh, well, that is a wrap, ladies and gentlemen. Enjoy your week off next week. Remember, uh, we're taking the week off, but we'll be back here on the Unregulated Podcast. Namaste. Hey.